That's what we're going to do. I'm going to waiver claim him. Go right ahead. And uh, Can't be any more broken than I already am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Physically, mentally, emotionally just destroyed. Yep. Yeah, there's nothing left. All right. Yeah. All right, welcome in, everybody. I think we're assuming that this week we're welcoming in everyone. Uh, last week... It's being backup recorded this terrible. week. terrible, yeah. So, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Last week we had some uh, technical difficulties and completely lost our recording, so this week we are on top of it. I wish I was joking, but it was our best show ever. And, uh, yeah, we missed out on an entire sponsorship from Wendy's and ah, updated from the Hyperloop. But that's alright, it'll be be our... Premium. Yeah, it'll it'll be our our, our secret, our, our inside joke. The, uh, the greatest episode of all time on the Important Nonsense Podcast. Yeah, we need more inside jokes, don't you understand? I, of course, am Steve right. Bonham. You can follow me on Twitter at nonsense underscore Steve. The other voice you hear on the other side of the uh, the phone there is Mr. Neil Smith at nonsense underscore Neil. Both of us frantically pushing the hashtag Free Pete Rose because of the injustice. Free Pete. Free Pete. The injustice Free Pete. that Pete Rose taken off the Fox broadcast in place of David Ortiz and Keith Hernandez. Yes, that's yes. Keith Hernandez that ruined Newman's Keith life. Keith Hernandez. So. Back and to the left. Yeah. <laughs> to the left. Back and to the left. Uh, I mean, you and I, huge Cub fans. There, there's no secret for anybody that knows us. And we are getting super pumped for uh, this postseason. Unfortunately, we're back on the TBS side of it this year, NL, oh. with the, the switching on and off, which is not great. And uh, the greatest part of being on Fox last year was hands down the Pete Rose A Rod Frank Thomas oh, interaction yeah. in the post game. Like I was telling you, 100%. we would watch games that the Indians would win in the World Series, and I would be like, you know what, these highlights are depressing, but I still need to watch because Pete Rose is can't oh, miss yeah. TV. And I just don't see that being the same with Keith Hernandez and, uh, an and Big life. Poppy. Oh. So. Yeah, it's uh, no, it, it's a, Poppy, it's, it was a sad, sad turn of events when we found that out this past week, and we've started the yeah, hashtag Free sad. Pete Rose. Let, let Free Pete, Pete speak his mind, please. Put Pete it's back the on the thing air. On anytime television. Pete Rose, anytime Pete Rose is in front of an open microphone, he's at risk to get fired because of some horrible thing that he's going to say. They've got to have an extra long lay. And unfortunately, you know, I we love you, Big Poppy, but for last we heard, the man doesn't really speak English as his first language, and it's going to be kind of hard to, I don't know, maybe it's gotten a lot better since his playing days. To be but fair, does Pete be... Rose speak English as his first language? No, but I Pete mean, Rose, there's Pete a Rose, lot though, of kind of in there. Yeah, it's, it's just a penguin. He's just a yeah. penguin from Batman. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Whereas, like, you don't really take it too seriously, because it's kind of like your racist grandpa's trying to talk to you, except your yeah. racist grandpa's also the penguin from Batman. So it's, <laughs> and a baseball but, legend, yeah. Uh-huh. But they were so awkward together that it finally just worked, and it was great. Like, they, they had nothing in common, except that they all played baseball <laughs> points at a high level. Outside of that, they got nothing to talk about. But then, like we were talking about, them doing the three-man uh how to hold a bat, what size bat, where to stand in the box, depending on the situation. That was the most informative thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So good good luck topping that, Keith. The football preview. Hot back, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it. And stats. 
you need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. The injury plague season of 2017 continues as big names in fantasy football continue to fall. We're going to go through a bunch of them here that were of note from this past weekend, Neil. First and foremost, of course, we're going to start with two guys that you shouldn't be overly concerned about. Julio Jones and Marcus Mariota, they both left their games early. Well, I mean, Julio Jones left his game early. Marcus Mariota wasn't really in a game. He was just sort of yeah. on a football field while another go. team was scoring. But what Julio Jones, let, uh, we'll get into that later. Julio oh, Jones yeah, yeah, was, sure uh, <laughs> he left his game early. They said if there was a game this week, he would still be playing and they're on the bye. So he's fine. There's no need to worry there. Meanwhile, Mariota, has a uh, he's questionable this week with a hamstring injury. He should be able to give it a go, but Coach Mike Malarkey said earlier today when meeting with the media that he's going to uh, be cautious. Obviously, there's no need to risk further injury with your franchise QB. So if you've got Mariota, if he's been your regular starter, you should obviously have some sort of backup plan uh, ready to go for this week for sure, possibly later, but it seems like if he does miss this week, it'll be a one-week thing. He should be back next week. As for Odell Beckham, he suffered a few injuries, one horribly disgusting finger injury. I mean, that was just gross. And they kept yeah, showing, the, the, yeah. they kept showing the <laughs> finger just dangling there on the replay over and over. No, it was again. one of the highest rated things on RNFL right. the next day right. was, was the, the picture and then highlight of that. Uh, yeah. So finger, <laughs> ankle, leg, everything else that Odell Beckham had to deal with this past week, but he played through it all. Kept yeah. staying in the game. Look, my issue with that is obviously it's scary for his long-term health throughout the season. If he keeps playing through these injuries, eventually one of them is going to become serious. But for the time being, he's back. He's going to be playing this week, and he should be all right. And if he can play through that bent backwards finger the entire second half of last week, I think he'll be good to go this weekend. If he's playing, even if he's beat up, what's your better option? The Packers on Thursday night had a couple of... Serious injuries to star players on offense. They have injuries everywhere. They're they're a mash unit. They're basically the Neil Smith fantasy football team in real life. There's injuries all yeah. over the place. It's uh nothing. No. Yeah. No. Maybe. You haven't any luck trying to trade any of your awesome players that <laughs> no, get you to no. one and three. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, user we'll, we'll, That's we'll, user Yeah. No. We'll take comments from the peanut gallery later, possibly, but not now. <laughs> yeah. The time We're Montgomery. On Devontae Adams situation in Green Bay. Despite science and human logic, Devontae Adams is somehow back at practice. He's in the concussion protocol, but it looks like he's going to be on pace to play despite getting Good. demolished by Danny Trevathan. So uh, he's he's going to try to give it a go this weekend. Keep an eye on the situation. Obviously, he's got to clear the protocol first, but once he does, he will be out there for Green Bay. Ty Montgomery, however, did break a couple of ribs. Uh, he'll be wearing a Kevlar vest-like device, according to ESPN and per, uh, Pro Football Talk. It's Montgomery's choice, basically, if he's going to go out there and play it or not. It's all about pain tolerance for him. Uh, the vest is supposed to kind of protect the ribs. Jordy Nelson wore something similar last season during their playoffs. So as a running back, you obviously take more force, more hits on a regular basis. And uh, if it's a pain tolerance issue, then 
maybe he wants to be a tough guy and fight through it. I kind of feel like they're going to err on the side of caution and let him heal up for a week. If that's the case, Aaron Jones is going to be your between-the-20s guy, while Jamal Williams, who also suffered an injury in that game, was back at practice today and is on pace to be playing. He should be the short yardage and goal line back for the Packers this week. So two guys to note. Uh, Jones, just because of the volume, probably has more value there than Williams if you're considering either one. Derek Carr was a big loss for the Raiders, both in fantasy and in the actual NFL. He'll be out two to six weeks with a back fracture. Again, same going to be Kevlar vest situation like with Montgomery. Here comes EJ Manuel. So we all, if you were wondering, hey, how can I see some more EJ Manuel? Well, this was it right here. Go, go watch the Raiders game and you'll see all the EJ Manuel you can handle. Because of that, you can downgrade Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper, who refuses to catch the ball anyway. So, I mean, that's a serious issue for him. And then I would uptick any defense against Oakland just because you would assume the offensive production goes down with EJ. Do you disagree with any of that or no? No, I mean, you kind of, I mean, if you've seen, we've talked about this. We've all seen EJ Manuel play football, right? right? Like everybody, hands up. Everybody? Yes? Good. I imagine everybody's putting their hand up. Good. Okay. So, yeah. You got Crabtree, who's hurt, and as we all know, I love, but he's all beat up, and no confidence that EJ Manuel's just going to get him the ball all of a sudden. And Cooper refuses to catch footballs. Bold strategy for a guy whose job it is to catch footballs, to just blatantly not want to catch them. Yeah, to professionally catch footballs, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, uh, as we'll get into later, I have, I have, uh, I have got some uh, some reservations about this whole Oakland thing with no Derek Carr for an extended period of time. It may be altering season projections. Uh, as for the Seahawks, they got dealt another big blow when rookie Chris Carson <laughs> done for the year towards ACL. It was a tough one to watch. Uh, anyone that you want now in Seattle, I mean, uh, it's a huge committee at this point with Lacey and Rawls back in it, Procise, and then uh, the kid, the, the special McKissin. teams. McKissin. There you go, McKissin. So yeah, anybody he's, you're he's interested in? He's been deactivated. He's been a scratch most weeks is McKissin. So he was really only playing because of Procise. The answer is no right. mm-hmm. to a point because obviously running back is so bad. So, yeah. you know, one of these guys will eventually have value, one would think. Maybe ProSize, because he, he was not in practice again today, though, and they were kind of saying he was going to trend back early, and now they're saying maybe not, so that's risky. They're going to give Eddie Lacy the ball again. That's their plan for this week. Right. Eddie Lacy's getting the start. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I what say they've we done every this week so clarity. far this season is uh, they've had two, like, actual uh, between the 20s, between the tackles Correct. Uh, running backs which has typically been, you know, Rawls and Carson or Lacey and Carson or, or some combination of that. So that'll still be Rawls and Lacey at this point. And then they had the pass catcher, which is typically precise, but last week he was out. So they had McKisson in there, and now with uh, precise potentially coming back, the reports I read today were that he plans on playing this week, even though he sat out today, it was a precautionary thing. And uh, Pete Carroll was quoted as saying he would be shocked if 
CJ Proceis didn't suit up and play this weekend. Yeah. So Carroll may want to get prepared to be shocked given. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if get if Proceis plays, McKissen will not see the field again. And uh, if yes, Proceis is out, your best case scenario with McKissen is that he fills that role this one more week, and then after their bye, he's once again back you would to think useless. Proceis will be back exactly. Uh, Dalvin Cook. Is there a sad horn? We don't have a sad. We need horn. one. We need like a sad biking horn, like the inverse of that or something. You know, like the, the down note. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty close. Uh, Dalvin Cook done for the year, also torn ACL. <laughs> that's brutal. Again, same question: Is there anyone you really want in Minnesota? It's down to McKinnon, who's been there forever, and Latavius Murray, who they mean, signed in the off season. In a vacuum. Would I want? No. In a vacuum. Uh, yeah. uh, no, not really. But we're not in a vacuum. We're in running back dumpster fire 2017. See how I got two of them in for right. Brian so we can get two drinks? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, we're definitely, uh, we're definitely down in the dregs here with this. Cause it feels like we're in week 14, doesn't it? Isn't this the week 14 right. conversation we have where whoever the Vikings running back is is inevitably hurt? So it's Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon and you're sitting there like, which guy do you recommend? Neither. They're both terrible. Well, it kind of applies, yep. except it's week five. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they're, neither one of them is any good at football. Agreed? We agree on this? Because this is where the debate's going to yes. start. Neither one yep. of them is any good mm-hmm. at football. Right. We agree on this. We can also agree that, short of Dalvin Cook, we were both saying that it might be a bit of a struggle for the Vikings to consistently run the ball this year. Fair? Coming into the preseason? Yes. That mm-hmm. was definitely something I was saying. So, yeah. We're kind of right back to that. Where it's not Dalvin Cook anymore. So now we've got Latavius Murray, who isn't beat up yet. Talk to me at the end of the week. Constantly injured, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason the Raiders were so interested in getting rid of him. And then when his contract ran out, they wanted no part of it. They were just like, bye, you can go. So, And then Jarek McKinnon, we've watched be mediocre at every level of professional football. For years, we've watched this. And then then also is not the picture of himself by reference of last year and the year before that and the fact that he's already hurt right now. So it's just one of those things where it's like, give me Latavius Murray if I need somebody bad because I'm just desperate. I'll take Murray and I'll roll my dice and hope that he can fall into the end zone at some point. And if I had to take a flyer on McKinnon, I'm really hoping that that's like a flex in some league where I'm in like a 16-team league where I'm like super desperate and he's somehow going to play. Because I'm concerned he's not even going to play. Yeah, it obviously depends on the size of your league and like the format we always assume 12 team ppr for all our advice so with that in mind i would say it's mckinnon because he's the pass catcher if you were to project out dalvin cook's rest of the season it would probably be somewhere in like the 220 point range the fantasy point range somewhere in there just because of the what he's done the opponents they have left stuff like that and I would say you can pretty much take about 20 to 25 of those points away because of talent and then split that total in half and divide it, not evenly, but slightly more to McKinnon just because of the passes, the receptions. When you look at, in this offense, what McKinnon has done this year and Murray has done this year, uh, McKinnon's been on the field almost double the snaps that Murray has played, and that's, again, partially because of Cook. But they also like to have him out there as the third down back. He's been targeted way more. He's got more receptions. And if you go back to last season, when McKinnon basically had the job with Asiata because Adrian Peterson got hurt and there was nobody there, 
They focused on throwing him the ball a ton. He got a bunch of rushes, but his main production was in the short underneath passing game, getting the production through the air, where Latavius Murray, who was on a much better offensive line in Oakland and was the primary back in Oakland with really no one competing against him, put up worse numbers in the running game and receiving game than Jarek McKinnon was able to do. So I would think he's more relevant. But again, as you said, temper expectations from either one. Don't get fooled into this uh, narrative that I've heard a ton on different formats that Oh, well, you know, the much-improved Minnesota Vikings offensive line. Yeah, that's a fallacy. Take much-improved with a grain of salt. Because to say much-improved, you have to understand where they were last year. Last year, they were 31st in the league. Only Seattle was worse than them on the offensive line. That's it. This year, in terms of run-blocking, effectiveness, making holes for their running game, they are 20th. So to say that they're much improved, yes, from last year, certainly. But they are still a bad, bad offensive line. And the fact that Dalvin Cook was doing so good was because Dalvin Cook is good. And that's it. Yep. Latavius really Murray and Jarek McKinnon are not at the talent level that he is. And this offensive line is not good enough to boost them up to where they need to be. So... I would say don't buy in on either one. If I had to choose one over the other, it would be McKinnon, but it's not a huge disparity. No, you're pretty much looking at just somebody middling. You're hoping that one of them falls into the end zone. Exactly. That's basically what you want. And if you need a guy like that, unfortunately, we're so deep into running back that those guys matter at this point. The guys that just by virtue of them being out there, there's every chance they're going to get some sort of ridiculous touchdown every week for you. And that's how bad running back is right now. There's six guys you want, and then it goes off a cliff. Meanwhile, meanwhile, it is our first week. Well, I mean, week one technically, but it's our first official week of hashtag bye week issues. So uh, if you're on the uh, on the Twitter, as the kids say, the kids don't say that. But if you're on the Twitter, hit us up. Like I said, at nonsense underscore Steve, at nonsense underscore Neil. Hashtag bye week issues. Let us know. Give us your questions. We'll hit you back up. Our streamers for this week, uh, mainly coming through, once again, the waiver wire column I post up every week. It is uh, at QB, Jacoby Brissett against San Francisco. Don't scoff. Don't laugh. I get it. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. I understand. It's Indianapolis. I understand it. But What's it's a home floor? game. It's San Francisco. And if he could look that good on the road against Seattle him coming home against San Francisco, I mean, give me that if I need a QB this week. I'm talking to you, you Mariota odors out there, because if you're looking for someone at the last minute that you may need to fill in, I think he's a definite viable option, as well as Eli Manning going up against the Chargers at home. Again, as you were saying, Chargers home, good matchup, and Eli is about half and half owned and not owned out there in leagues right now. Yeah, Eli was my honorable mention of the week because he's he's right on the borderline. He can't quite qualify to be the guy, but he's probably available in a lot of leagues you play in. Aaron Jones, as we mentioned earlier, Green Bay running back against Dallas. Dallas is horrendous against the run, the pass, everything. That defense just bad. 
But Aaron Jones will be the primary guy. He's going to get a ton of volume. The worry is short downage and goal line situations belong to Jamal Williams. And if Ty Montgomery decides to play, then Aaron Jones is useless. So obviously, you know, precaution there. But uh, other than that, the honorable mention you had is Andre Ellington, who is surprisingly unowned in a lot of leagues. He leads all Cardinals in targets. That's all I really should have to say here. Because that team throws so many passes because they can't run the ball. That is until Andre Ellington finds himself hurt, which, unfortunately, because it's Andre Ellington, it's probably sooner rather than later, I feel like you might as well just cash in on this now for the short term and then just make other options later. But, yeah, he's only 40% owned, which is way too low. Yeah, like we were saying earlier in the year, he's not good at football. We get that. He's no. not a good running back. No. He never has been. He's not even a running but back. He's a converted wide receiver that they try exactly. to play Exactly. I think a lot of people picked him up took a flyer on him, he put up a 5 in week 2, and then they immediately dumped him, and now he's back out there, and he's put up a 10 and a 12 the last two weeks. So he's certainly a guy worth adding if he's out there, especially in PPR format, because, like you said, the, the targets, the volume are there, and I trust him more than Chris Johnson. Or Kerwin Williams, frankly, either one. Yeah, it doesn't matter. For wide receivers, Torrey Smith against the Cardinals. He's the guy on the other side who goes down the field with his hand up and says, Carson, please throw it to me. And with uh, with them constantly chucking the ball, and it's anyone on the other side of Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson's going to be shadowing Alshon Jeffrey all day, and you know that he's going to be, that Wentz is going to be looking for someone to throw to. So I think Zach Ertz has a big day over the middle, and I think Torrey Smith has a big day down the field and uh, make it into the end zone once or twice in this game. It's going to be a high-scoring affair, as we'll get into later. I also just, that, that's what I put on the show notes, was I wanted to second the Torrey Smith. I like Torrey Smith because he's still cheap and daily. Yeah. I like Torrey Smith quite a bit, because they're not going to be trying to rely on Alshon Jeffrey, as you just pointed out. Zach Ertz also should have a huge day. And I really wish Wendell Smallwood was less beat up, because that this also goes into the Torrey Smith. He's kind of nicked up, so maybe a couple targets. Chef that ordinarily would have gone to running backs. Or maybe they just go straight to whoever's going to be doing that job, which I don't even know. Do we even know who that is? So it's just one of those things where, yeah, give me give me some of the uh, the eagle passing attack this week for either a one week fill in as a flex or a uh, a daily play for not a whole lot of capital. The other one is Jermaine Curse against the Browns. I told you last week people might get scared off and cut Jermaine Curse because of Man, this is where you the matchup, and uh, you know he was playing Jacksonville. He was up against. Jalen Ramsey last week, I figured he'd have a bad week. He did, and now he comes back and he gets the Browns. So the news that the throwing shoulder of Josh McCown is sore and hasn't been doing well, it doesn't help his downfield value, but that's fine because he's still their number one pass catcher. So Jermaine Curse, if you need someone, a decent flyer this week to fill in at wide receiver. It's anyone against the Browns. So anybody against the Browns is a good play. Like most seasons. Yeah, uh, then at tight end, as I said in the waiver wire column, I think Austin Safarian Jenkins and Cameron Braid are both great pickups to add to your roster for season long. Uh, if you can find yeah, them, them, I think down the line they can add a great value. The note I had on Jenkins, by the way, he is currently uh, coming into this week. He's only played two uh, games now because of his two-game suspension at the start of the year. Since he came into the league in week three, he is 11th in the league in tight end targets and 6th in the league in tight end receptions, averaging 8 points a game in PPR, and he just has not fallen into the end zone yet. So he's getting the volume, 
he's a top-tier guy. He's certainly a tight end one while he's on the field, something the Jets have not had for a very long time. So, yeah, but now they have Josh McCown as their quarterback, so yeah. guess what? You're going to get a tight end because Josh McCown needs that. So, And on top of all of that, this week, again, it's the Browns. And the Browns are horrendous against yep. everything, but they're the worst in the league against tight ends. So yeah, I don't know how that is, but against it is very true. Is a great They're player. horrendous against the tight end. But They're if like for whatever reason, bottom basement. If for whatever reason, both of those guys are already off the board. The outlaw, Jesse James, he's my backup streamer against Jacksonville at home because, again, it's Pittsburgh at home. The home road splits are real, and uh, he has been targeted quite a bit in this offense. He has significant value against the Jags defense that has also struggled against tight ends this season. Get more out of your fantasy season with PFF's exclusive player grades and performance data. PFF grades every player from every game on every team. Dive deep into your fandom and follow your team on Pro Football Focus for exclusive team stats and NFL team rankings. Listeners to our podcast can get $10 off a PFF Edge or Elite subscription by simply going to importantnonsense.com slash PFF. Once again, that's importantnonsense.com slash PFF to save $10 on your subscription today. All right, Neil, we're getting into the pigskin pick'em. We're going to run through the games this week, starting, of course, on Thursday night football. It should be an impressive showdown between the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Pats D has been absolute hot garbage. It's been a dumpster fire, if you will. And it's the national stage to prove you belong. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have the Bucks winning this one at home. So do I. I was sure we were going to split this. I have the Bucks <laughs> winning at home on a short week. And as a specific note, I have Doug Martin ripping them to pieces. Interesting. They were Little, seeing, uh, tiny pieces. Yeah, they don't know if Doug Martin is going to get the full workload just because it's a short week with him coming off the suspension, but I do buy Don't think he's going to need the full yeah. workload. Yeah, don't think that, he's going to need the full workload. Just bad. Think he's think he's just going to tear him apart. And also, this is what we've I've seen. We've seen Doug Martin do this in the past on Thursday night games, coming off weird stuff like this and injuries. I'm waiting for it. The public hates us, by the way. Yeah. We are being booed by the public right now for picking against the Patriots. Have you seen how one-sided this yeah, is? Yeah, because the, the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, we have to discuss that just slightly. I mean, of course it's the Patriots, but still. I mean, my God. like it can't, It's that one-sided on a weird, wonky Thursday night? Yeah, because it's right, the America. Patriots. That's it. It's, all right, America. They, they right, buy we'll into the see. Patriots I'm, I'm, more than they buy into the Tampa Bay hype. That's all it is. Buying into Mike Evans is awesome at football, and your defense is real bad. <laughs> Doug Martin's also there. Sunday at 1 Eastern, Buffalo going to Cincinnati. Tyler Eifert probably still going to be out for this one. Tyler Croft is questionable, the backup tight end, but he should play, and he would be the starter if Eifert sits after he just had a huge week this past week. The Bills' D is legit, though. I mean, they proved it on the road last week beating Atlanta. It's a much less intimidating environment for them to go into this week. I'm taking Buffalo on the road. Definitely, 100%. I'm actually turning it around on the Bills' D here. You've gotten to a point where you're just going to have to believe at some point, right? So they seem to be on this mission to be taken seriously, and I think I'm finally going to join them. So I'm recommending that as a streamer this week, and I always put my money where my mouth is, so I'm rolling with that in the Golden League. And... uh Please don't take the week off, Buffalo. <laughs> I have you in pigskin pick them. I'm starting you as my defense. I want yeah. to believe. Right. Don't Please don't kill me. <laughs> just, I want to believe so bad. Uh, yeah, the game we have alluded to so many times now, the Jets playing in Cleveland. It's the tickle fight of the week. 
Forte questionable, still not practicing. The idea he was stealing away Belial Powell's fantasy value it bared out last week because Belial Powell had a huge week. As a Belial Powell owner, thank you. Matt Forte, retire. Just, just walk away. Just, <laughs> just let Belial Powell be a thing. Not on the Bears anymore. You He's a must know, start if uh, Forte sits out because he is legit RB2 all the way. If Forte plays, it's a question mark, but yeah, otherwise we've already mentioned... Yeah, stream your Jets. I've got the Jets winning on the road in Cleveland. This is the bad. This is the best bad football game of the week. So yeah, I also have the Jets, and I have one question for you, Mr. Bilal Powell owner, and to all the Bilal Powell owner owners out there that may be listening. Do you care about Elijah McGuire? No. The guy who was spelling the Matt Forte side of it. I'm just curious because no. he had a pretty decent day. He's shown a little bit. He's like a sixth round pick though. So yeah, it doesn't sound like you're too bothered by him at all. No. Powell's the primary guy. Does he need that waiver claim? Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. If Powell is barely rosterable if Forte plays, then Maguire is so far beyond any of that that it's not even worth mentioning. Yeah, okay. He just had a pretty decent week last yeah. week, so I figured I'd float it out there. Because it's always just one game. It's an anomaly. They also move the ball better in that game than they have all year. So, right. you know, barring what we'll probably see on Sunday where they're going to look like, you know, the greatest show on turf with yeah. Josh McCown and a bunch of guys that couldn't make it on other rosters. So, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Carolina in Detroit taking on the Lions. Kelvin Benjamin questionable, but he should suit up and play in this one. It's a really good matchup in the Dome. It's a battle of three-and-one teams whose defense have been surprising. Home field favors the Lions, but after the Panthers just beat the Patriots on the road... I feel inclined to have to take the Panthers to continue their march to the postseason as I had in the preseason. You can feel compelled to do whatever you want. I'm with the no. public on this one. Sure. The public's not right. I'm sure the public's not right for the for the for the correct reason. But the Lions D has mm-hmm. proven one thing to me, which is that they can turn you over if you want to let them. So they're first in turnover differential to this point. They're at plus nine. So that's probably unsustainable, but it's a lot as well for a short time. The Panthers on the other side of that are tied for 29th with negative five. So I got to believe that a Panthers team that has proven that it can't really take care of the football against the Lions team that to this point has been ball hawking and just creating turnovers in other ways. Eh, I got to go with I got to go with Detroit because if they're going to win the turnover battle, I think they'll win the game. However, I will point out that it does make me nervous to bet on the Lions to do anything. That is a classic <laughs> old school gambling rule. Don't bet on the Lions to do anything and. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it here. We're going to bet on the Lions. So, again, same message to you as I gave the Bills. Just, I want to believe. Please don't hurt me. Tennessee at Miami. It's finally a home game for the Dolphins. If Marietta is out of this game, then it could get really ugly. Uh, as bad as the Dolphins have looked, they're human. I mean, it's hard to imagine that all this travel and the nonsense from the hurricane and everything hasn't been weighing on them. To not be at home at all and the crazy travel they've had to deal with. I expect them to show up in a big way when they've finally been home for a week in front of their home fans and have a big game against a Titans defense that was just as bad as we thought it could be last week. Yeah, this Mariota injury just clouds this whole game. It it really just makes it so hard to want to do anything because him not playing or him playing limited just is a a real tough thing because is that enough to to put Miami away? Because Miami, I don't know, they're not in London this time. So it's hard for me to get too worked up about them not being able to score against the Saints because they've literally been around the world at this point, like you were saying. 
However, I do want to point out, I had Miami as a regression team going into this year, and then that was before they lost their quarterback and had to have Jay Cutler come ride to your rescue. Now, we've gone on record many times, you and I, about what that looks like, when Jay Cutler has to come ride to your franchise's rescue. See Chicago Bears, comma, dumpster fire. I'm reluctantly going to take Miami at home, and it's mostly due to the Mariota thing. Because I think there's a very good chance that if he is going to play, he's going to play on some sort of uh, restriction, basically, where they're telling him, like, don't run the ball. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you're going to tell him to, as Cam Newton put it, how are you going to tell a tiger not to roar or whatever ridiculous thing he says to people? (laughs) I don't know. This this whole thing bothers me with Tennessee to the extent that I think it might carry over to the game, and I'm just going to roll with you on Miami at home. If there was ever a runner-up to Tickle Fight of the Week, it would be San Francisco (sighs) at Indy. I'm breaking my own rule. We could have a dual I, dual tickle fight of the week. <laughs> I said I wouldn't pick the Colts until Andrew Luck got back. But if, like I said, if Jacoby Brissett can go into Seattle and keep it closed for three quarters, he should tear apart the 49ers at home this weekend. I'm taking the Colts. As little as I've seen from the Colts, I've seen even less from the Niners, apart from one division game on a Thursday night where the game got out of hand. Indy at home. Love the floor for Brissett. Chargers going to New York to take on the Giants. Uh, Wayne Gelman was a big pickup this week. He was one of my hot pickups. He seemed to seize control of the backfield when he got the opportunity because of the injuries to Darkwa and Perkins. Logic would say it's now his job to lose since he's looked so much better than either of the other two. But we all know that Ben McAdoo doesn't work in reality. So I would just stash him on your bench until he shows he is the guy uh, we'll see how long that actually takes, but I do think he is worth rostering. Meanwhile, the stat of the week here, Eli is 0-3 versus the Chargers in his career, and he's 0-2 versus Rivers head-to-head. So I just refuse to stop picking the Chargers, Neil. I'm taking L.A. on the road. Why not? Five weeks in, I'm just going to keep taking them despite the 0-16 record. Look, all I can say about this game is that somebody's going to get their first win, right? So, Yep. Yay for you. Uh, I like the Chargers to win a shootout, mostly just because the Giants are kind of beat up. They're just coming beat up into this week. They've been beat up all year. And I know it's in the Meadowlands, but, man, if you're going to tell me that Odell Beckham's hanging by a thread coming into the game, if he goes out during the game, I think you have lost the game, to be honest, since we've seen what their offense looks like when he's not even on the field. Arizona goes to Philly to take on the Eagles. Wendell Smallwood took control in that Sproles role, as we called. We had that right. However, he also suffered a knee injury in that game, so just keep an eye on it. He did miss practice on Wednesday. Just be prepared that he may sit this one out, have a backup plan. Otherwise, this could be a very pass-happy, high-scoring affair. If he can play, I would certainly start him because as the pass-catching running back, he should get a lot of work in this one. I love everyone in this matchup, as I said earlier, except for Alshon Jeffrey, who's going to be up against Patrick Peterson all day, and I like the Eagles to win at home. Nope, that's 100% correct. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time here. This could be the highest scoring game of the week. There's going to be a ton of passing, and as we talked about earlier, this is where I like to pick my flyers from this week, for daily, for flexes if I need them, because there's going to be plenty of offense, and both these have shown confidence in spurts, so I don't know that I want to play either one of them in this game, necessarily, but just to maybe put a small lid on it. I mean, it's not like both these are horrendous. They're just kind of mediocre-ish. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, but pick your flyers from here because, I mean, somebody's going to catch some sort of ridiculous 75-yard touchdown in this game. Seems 
pretty much like a lock. Jacksonville goes into Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Former Blitnikoff winner Marquise Lee, questionable with a rib injury. If he were to sit out, then all you Alan Hearns fans out there can finally get your wish, and Alan Hearns would actually be fantasy relevant for a change. Outside of that, the home road splits are completely real for Pittsburgh, as we have seen time and time again. They're at home. It's not complicated. Give me the Steelers. And if I didn't say it verbally before, I also had uh, the Eagles at home over Arizona. This game, real simple. Pittsburgh's at home. You kind of covered it. I mean, they're at home. Jacksonville does not have the offense to play Pittsburgh at home. Therefore, Pittsburgh's going to win this game. Late afternoon, Baltimore going to Oakland. Michael Crabtree looks like he's back on track to play. His reward for coming back, the E.J. Manuel show, as we mentioned, gross. Give me the Ravens' defense as much as I can get it, and give me Baltimore on the road in Oakland. Yeah, see, Titans versus Miami. This is the exact (laughs) same thing. We're just going to see it again later on in the day. Aren't you so excited this is a standalone game in the afternoon? Isn't that great? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to find some way to pack gauze into my head so I don't have to hear it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, by the way, I'm also taking the Ravens, even though I don't want to, and I was really going to be, I had a whole thing for Oakland this week about bouncing back, and then Derek Carr's gone, so now it's like, oh, well, just throw all that away. I keep betting on the Ravens, and they just keep killing me. This is my other bitterness about this, but I just can't bet on EJ Manuel. I refuse to do it, so, yeah, give me Flacco, and it's the same story as before. You pick the team that has their quarterback intact, even if they're not great, and so I have one last thing before we move off this. You may have gotten your wish. Alex Collins may have taken that job in Baltimore, such as that it matters. Yeah. So you may have been right, and it doesn't really matter because neither one of them are any good at football. But again, because his running back is so bad. Right. He's a Alex starting Collins running is back. Is probably in, the one you want if you want so one. If you're super desperate, yeah. Seattle going to L.A. to take on the Rams. This lines up to be a great game. Steve, make the notes less depressing. <laughs> Not only are the Rams the highest scoring team. In the NFL right now, the Seahawks are missing key parts on both offense and defense. Chris Carson, we mentioned before, and uh, Cliff Averill is going to miss this game, which is a huge loss for their D. So not only all that, but the Rams have won three straight home games against Seattle and five of their last seven home games against Seattle. So give me the fighting Goffs in the Coliseum to uh, to take down the Seahawks. Not only that, they're wearing the throwback unis. That's Give me right. the Rams. Give me the Rams and the throwback unis. The Seahawks D looks so vulnerable. They're so beat up on both sides of the ball that the Legion of Boom isn't really there right now. It's kind of the mash unit. Yeah. So, games in L.A.? Give me L.A. Green Bay going to Dallas to take on the Cowboys in a battle of no defense. It's the bad Dallas secondary against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay offense. The obituary writes itself, Neil. It's the Packers, and it probably isn't relatively close. If we flash-forwarded to Monday morning and I just said to you, Rodgers got the win on a last-second drive, would that sound familiar to you? It would ring a bell. Would he, did he hit Jared Cook in Oakland? Or did he, yeah, he just, you know, he, he didn't play that game in Oakland. He signed a one-day contract. No, yeah, yeah he, he may have done that, too, you know, he, who knows? But we'll see which one this one is, because that's how I'm calling the game. Rodgers gets the win for the Packers on a last-second drive, and no one was surprised. Sunday night football, KC coming into Houston to get stomped. It's going to be on. They're going to get crushed, right? God. I'm just going to mute myself. You just you just do you, just do you homie. Do you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you're legitimately asking me which way I'm going in this, then you haven't been paying attention at all. Will Fuller's presence on the field, as I mentioned last week, opened up the entire passing game. And hey, guess what? 
The Texans found a competent quarterback. What are the odds? It only took them, like, what, 15 years of franchise history to figure out what a quarterback looks like? Well, yeah, so uh, give, give me the Texans at home. Ride the hot streak. Ride the kid. Homer, give me the Texans at home. Two weeks in a row! I get to do it! <laughs> Just because I know it bothers him. No, he also fine, went on his 10-minute Texans rant of the week. So, yeah, this is the week I think that Casey's luck finally catches up with them because they're going to play a team that can play at the front end of the defense and the back end of the defense. And I honestly don't think Houston's defense is going to fall for that high school offense BS that I keep watching Casey trot out every week. Ugh. Throw that little pitch play to Travis Kelsey against J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. I dare you. I wish you would do that. <laughs> I hope that you do that because he's going to get ripped in half. Like it's, it, that you, I dare you to run that play. Like, they have to know it's coming right now, so they're going to have tape on it. They're going to be watching for that play. What I worry about is the crazy scat back stuff that no one seems to have figured out, but this is as good a chance as any for somebody to figure out a way to not let them get 250 yards rushing offense. So, we'll see. But, yeah, throwing in with, with Houston with you one more week. Monday Night Football. <laughs> just Minnesota. Oh, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, the Jock Mitch making his debut. No, we, just, we needed extra time. I'm glad we whipped through this fast because we needed. We really needed. Give extra the time Bears credit, this. Neil. You got to give them credit because they are doing all that they can to try to convince everyone out there that they're not losing it on purpose when they really are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is look. I will. I will give them the fact that last year on Monday Night Football on Halloween. They held serve at home against the Vikings. This is not... I, I refuse to believe that happens again. I'm once again Vikings on the road in Chicago. Yeah, well, a couple things. It's not Halloween. Uh, don't be don't be fooled by any kind of QB change. Still a really bad team. He's not going to have a whole lot to work with out there. So I'm excited to see what he gets to do, but it makes me nervous when you're going to trot the guy out there against what is actually a really good Vikings defense with Kendall Wright for all intents and purposes as your best receiver who will undoubtedly be covered by Xavier Rhodes. Sorry, I'm just having like this thousand yard stare, like PTSD moment where I'm just realizing how bad this is actually going to be. If anybody is trying to bet on the bears in this game, I'm going to take money on, <laughs> on the Vikings at home. And I'm sure the local media there is having a, is having a circus with the premier Mitch Trubisky. And his stoic quotes that he likes to post on the it. internet. They're loving it. He plays hard-nosed bear football. Uh, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, you got Vikings. Uh, oh, absolutely. If that wasn't clear from before. Yeah, if I figured it was. Yeah. You just didn't say it so I could horn. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, horn it. Okay, good. Yeah, so yeah. Vikings. All right, so uh, that's it for the NFL news and updates. We're going to go right now into the Golden League update. If you're not staying with us again, at nonsense underscore Steve, at nonsense underscore Neil, or anytime on the important nonsense website. Let's get into the Golden League update. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League update. I love gold! On the important nonsense podcast. Weird, weird week in the Golden League. So uh, Paul Falls gets his first loss, but he was so far ahead in points in the power rankings that he still retains the number one spot. His loss, however, puts him at 3-1 and one, along with a handful of others, so he did not get to 4-0. and oh. 
We have no 4-0 team for the first time since 2012. So kind of an even playing field, if you will, this season, which is certainly not the way we drew it up coming into it with the draft boards and everything that happened. Power rankings, as I mentioned, Paul remaining at number one. Flynn Jr. staying at number two after his victory over you. Flynn Sr. up five spots from eight to three. Uh, Brian and David both stay at four and five, respectively. You fell three spots to six. Kevin up two spots from nine to seven. I fell two spots from six to eight. Sandman down two spots to nine. And then Tony, Lisa, and Matt continue to round out the power rankings. So, yeah, like I said, the 4-0 start, lack of anyone since 2012, extremely interesting. And what was even weirder than the power rankings and how that all worked out and all the weird games that happened this weekend, the close matchups with not a lot of offense, was the waiver wire. I mean, I saw that today. Oh, my. I mean, as we were talking about earlier, there's a combined $73 in waiver budget in two guys that have never started a game in their careers. And depending on how it goes, they may never start a game in their careers because they're backups who might not even play this weekend. And it's it's over a quarter of two different budgets. Very interesting moves. I made the mistake of opening this when I was eating my lunch at work, and I almost spit food out because it's just, <laughs> just it's just completely, it's just I, I just every week this this year has no one wants to make trades. You can't make nope. a trade because everybody wants a draft pick, and that window. I want winners. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and I, we've talked about this off off mic, and you know we kind of acknowledge this may slightly be a problem that we created. <laughs> Yeah. And, and we like we as a community like we all voted, but the royal we, yeah, mm-hmm. the royal we. But there's also a uh, a thing where it's like people are just roasting through their fab budgets now because I think they remember how much money they all had left over at the end of last year because nobody wanted to go pick up flyers for their bench and and so everybody now is just like burn it, just toast it, and we'll just see what happens as we get closer to the playoffs because it's possible that some people aren't going to have any money left to be trying to do waiver claims down the stretch. And that's going to be crazy because the trade deadline will have come and gone. Right. So I don't know. you got to save something back. No, I mean. If you think you're going to the playoffs. <clears throat> the Jerron Brown thing I get for Tony, uh, like I said in the waiver wire column this week, Jerron Brown and John Brown actually uh, project out to have about the same point total for the rest of the year based on you know volume, their use in the uh, – in the offense for Arizona. So it's a decent ad. $33 is a lot of money. But as Tony said, I'm sure he thought he was going to have competition. Yeah. He did not want to get outbid again. He got sick of being outbid every other week. I, so I get it. The, the head scratcher of all head scratchers was McKissick for me, but that's again, that's, that's me. I, it's a guy that I don't even think is going to be on the active roster. For the rest of the year. Yeah, it's a guy I didn't even it's a guy I didn't even bid on when I started reading about Procyce coming back. Just because yeah. we like we were talking about, it goes into full platoon there. So right. you got like four guys theoretically now right. that all are gonna try and take this job over. Like yeah. okay. And it's two jobs technically, but their offense looks like garbage, so yeah. which one Then do you, you want? went for I mean, Latavius gets... Murray, but again that was desperation because you just need Well yeah, if you saw my team, bodies. I need yeah. people to play. No, I, my whole thought process is I need people that are gonna play. I don't. Right. I'm not looking at prospects for my bench. I need guys that I can stick in this week, 
because I have no other running backs for this week. So it was literally you have to waiver claim two guys, and you need to get two guys that are going to play and just take pick the two guys that you think have the most value because they're both going to play. And for me, that was Latavius Murray and was we'll get to Andre Ellington. Yeah. We talked about we talked about the McKinnon thing. I thought about bidding on McKinnon, but he's hurt for this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I don't want McKinnon. Period. It's just I kind of got to pick my spots. You have to have so, him now. Yep. Kudos to Sandman. Finally, someone oh, yeah. picks up the yep. Lions. So. Finally, the Lions someone team. did it. Yep. Number the one Lions defense team. in the league, literally every week this year, and it took and until week five for someone to finally grab him. And he paid uh, for it. He wanted it. He wanted yeah. it. He paid for it. He also got, got Jared Goff. You got Andre Ellington, as uh, as you alluded. You outbid me by two dollars. I had to I do that. Interested. I knew somebody was going to bid ten dollars. So I, I was interested. I was right there. <laughs> Tony, uh, props to Tony for paying attention, getting ASJ. I mean, Safarian yeah, Jenkins, yeah. like I said, is uh, he was probably the best tight end available out there. Yeah, I took my flyer on Wayne Gallman. So yeah, you outbid me for that. Kudos to you on that. I didn't want to spend ten dollars on that. I, you know what? I didn't actually bid. $10. What happened was I bid $10 on Andre Ellington, and then I bid $10 for Gullman on the same guy. So that if I got Ellington, I, I never would have paid that. Oh, but just okay, I gotcha. since Ellington was already off the board, I was like, you know what? It's $10. I'm so far under budget at this point. I might as well just make sure I get at least one of these guys. So it wasn't so much that I wanted him so badly. It was just that I wanted one or the other. And the $10 investment was the exact same for both. Uh, then you've got the Bills defense, as you said. It's your shot call. And, uh, Bills defense as a streamer this week against the Bengals. Then uh, Eddie Lacy as well, because, again, warm bodies. Going yeah, with that people, platoon people that are going to play snaps. People that are going to play snaps. And, yeah. you know, who knows? I really doubt Eddie Lacy is going to be on my team for any length of time. Right. I I'm might be back out there before the end of the week. At the bottom of the list there. Yeah, bi week stuff. <laughs> like you said, the the crazy outbidding to uh just to ensure you get any one of of value with a pulse coming off uh the waiver wire. When uh when when haywire this week. So we'll see how this plays out the rest of the year because like you said, at some point people are just gonna get desperate and run out of money and have to do something. And you have to bid at least a dollar to pick someone up. And you have to hold on to a certain amount of money if you think you're going to the playoffs. Because right. if somebody gets hurt, you need to be able to go to the waiver wire to replace. You can't. There's no way that you can get through every scenario yep. where you're going to get to the end and you're not going to need to make some sort of waiver claim down the stretch, be it for a defense or a kicker or some random thing happens. I mean, it's just. So, yeah, the way people are kind of operating on slash and burn right now. We'll see if it tightens up. You know what I mean? We might get back into the more traditional. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Yeah. It's a bold strategy. Bold strategy it is. For sure. So our game of the week this week is a top five showdown between David and Paul. In the head-to-head matchup this week, you've got Paul, who's got Cam Newton, Todd Gurley, and Lamar Miller. He's got Brandon Cooks on uh, Thursday against Tampa, and then Jarvis Landry against Tennessee at home. I like that matchup for him. As I said, I think Ertz has a big day against Arizona, Rashard Matthews, Chiefs D, and he still has to add a kicker. What's carried David's team all year has been the Tom Brady show. It's Tom Brady and everybody else. One other person has to step up every week to go with Tom Brady's 30, and then you're fine. So Tom Brady... He's got Frank Gore against San Francisco. Again, Indy at home. I think it's a good matchup there. Buck Allen on the road against Oakland is interesting. Hogan 
paired up with Brady in Tampa. Uh, Jordy Nelson against Dallas. I mean, come on. Just, that's not fair. Zach Miller against Minnesota is sketchy on Monday. But, uh, he was kind of tight end desperate there because he normally rides with Jordan Reed, who's on the bye. And then Randall Cobb. So he's double dipping in Green Bay. We call that the Mr. Flynn special. But David Flynn this week going with, uh, with the two Green Bay wide receivers. And then the Bucks D at home against New England. That is the shot call of the week right there. To play yeah, the Buccaneers a... defense voluntarily against your quarterback and one of your wide receivers. I don't know receivers. if that stands. I don't it's know if that probably stands. Probably not staying. I would think he'd have to make a waiver move. Do something about that. Cause I don't know if I'm rolling that. That's, that's ballsy as all balls can be. <laughs> I mean. That is a strong statement guess, yeah, to start said, that would be center against your defense. The no, I need the guy to get a 50 to play against my defense. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, that's even on, in and on its face. It's like, no, you can't do – you don't want to do that. And then he's got Harrison yeah. Butker as his kicker against Sure. Buy it. So it's got to be – yeah, he's, he's got to be uh, picking somebody up for defense. I just don't know who. Maybe he was assuming the Colts would still be there or – or I'm sorry, the Lions would still be there, or the Bills wouldn't get picked up today, or something. But I mean, there's other stuff out there that I'm sure I would be happier with than I cut the Bengals defense to make the move I had to do, and I'd rather have the Bengals defense going against the Bills. Sure. Don't feel great about it, but I'd rather do that than start my point center. I'd rather against do my anything than anyone against just New about England. Yeah. Just about because I'd ra- I think I'd really rather have that Bengals D <laughs> for like a dollar. Right. Just be like okay, whatever. At least I'll get something. But uh, it should be a should be a very high scoring game. Just looking at the matchups, the players they have going, the defenses and everything, it's uh it, it shapes up to be extremely interesting between these two. It's a statement game for David because uh, he kind of just gets like I said as I introduced him. He he's the Tom Brady team with the uh, the ragtag bunch built around it. So yeah, now it's the Tom Brady Packer team. Yeah, if he can if he can knock off Paul here and uh get himself to four and one, give himself a legitimate tiebreaker with a team you assume is gonna make the playoffs, it puts him in a really strong position for the rest of the year. But yeah, I mean Todd Gurley, my god, he could just put down a forty for you for no reason against I mean against Seattle. It's against Seattle though. It is at home, but I know. again, I mean it's it's strength on strength. Tom Brady against Todd Gurley and Lamar Miller and Yep. Chris Hogan, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. It's, you would think Cam Newton could get you at least a 20 against Detroit. Sure. You would hope. Yeah, so mean, It would be also interesting to rerun this with uh, David still having Dalvin Cook. Yeah, that was a big blow for him to lose Dalvin Cook for the year. So That really hurt his – Like he, he's still got a pretty good team as we just went through. But before we were talking about this and he had Dalvin Cook. and yeah, He wasn't going to be playing Frank Gore and Buck Allen, let me tell you. Right. Let me tell you that. But – We'll be looking forward to that, keeping up with that all weekend. Again, if you guys want to hit us up, it's on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Steve, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Follow us on the Fantasy Life app, which is just Important Nonsense. And then, of course, uh, on the website, at ImportantNonsense.com. So, uh, Neil, good luck to you this weekend. Hoping you can field a, a full roster. Uh, Already and, did it. And you don't want to curse anyone else this weekend. We'll, we'll see how that... Uh, I already told you my running backs are. Right. I already told you. I already warned you. You have fair warning. All right. I have already built my roster. I don't like the it's sound there. Of that. You can go look it up because <laughs> apparently whoever I put in there, I'm going to waiver claim Steve for all the he's given me. That's right. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to waiver claim him. Go right ahead. And uh, Can't be any more broken than I already am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Physically, mentally, 
emotionally <laughs> just destroyed. Yep. Yeah, there's nothing left. All right. Yeah, joke's on you. You waiver claimed yeah. me years ago, apparently. Yeah, you can't get blood from a stone, right? Okay. Uh-huh, exactly. Well, yeah. Anyway, we'll see if my MASH unit can hang on for another week. I got the Denver local game, me versus Sandman. So it's the one week where I'm not allowed to talk about fantasy football with him, basically, <laughs> at all. That's the yeah. rule we have around here. It's the one That's week fair. where we just don't talk about it. No line of questions, don't want to know. Like, nope, we're not going to talk about this 100% now. Okay. So that's the best way to get through it, because otherwise it just turns into a talking festival that goes for an entire week, and then somebody gets really angry when Stefan Diggs catches like a 60-yard touchdown on them on Monday Night Football. Oh, wait, that actually happened. Wow, so you couldn't, couldn't resist. Couldn't, no, I had to get that knife in. Yeah, right, right in there, right at the end. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> All right, well, until uh, next week, everybody, just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com. <laughs>